So this half hour, we're talking about the spy amongst us. Um, his name that we knew him as was Jose Gia Maria. He was a Brazilian academic who had a keen interest in political science and international affairs and Arctic security specifically. Um, that's what he uh, was studying, uh, strategic studies. He got a master's in strategic studies from the University of Calgary. Uh, he got a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science from Carleton University as well. So he went to some of the more, uh, more you know, sort of some more interesting schools in this country when it comes to that kind of stuff. Uh, but police say that he is not Brazilian and his name is not Jose Giamaria. In fact, they say his name is Mikhail Mikushin and he's a Russian spy who worked for the GRU, the country's military intelligence agency. And here's again where it got really interesting. He spent this time studying Canada. So in the last half hour, we speak, spoke with Christo Grozev, who's the director of special investigations at Bellingcat. They're a really interesting organization based in the Netherlands that does investigative journalism, and they specialize in fact-checking and open-source intelligence. You may have seen them. They did a lot of work on the downing of flight uh, MH17 in Ukraine. They did a lot of work on the chemical attacks in Syria. Uh, they do really good stuff. So they dug into this one, as they do, and they managed to find out a whole lot of stuff about uh, Mikhail Mikushin. Here's a reminder of what Christo Grosov had to say. Well, first of all, we've been looking at a whole string of similar cases where Russian illegals would be parked in uh, different locations around the world with either near institutions, which can be universities or in one case, NATO, or uh, trying to infiltrate institutions such as the uh, ICC, the International Criminal Court. The first string of evidence that popped up was just his cover name. Um, Sergio Maria, and the fact that he had traveled to Norway on a Brazilian passport, and that he had studied before that in Canada, and that's how he actually got the job in the, at the Arctic University in Norway, because he presented credentials and wrote letters of recommendation from the University of Calgary. So CSIS issued a statement this week to, uh, to a news organization that did this story, saying there are important limits to what CSIS, CSIS can confirm and deny about this story. Uh, but just how easy is it for spies to build their so-called legends or backstories here in Canada to slip under the radar? And do we need to be more vigilant or is it simply the price of having relatively open borders? We welcome lots of international students. So, you know, they're entitled to the same freedoms that uh, everyone else is to, cert to a certain extent. Still, what else could a Russian spy have picked up while doing all that studying in this country for the better part of a decade? Uh, the University of Calgary isn't saying much. They will say that its security studies program um, involves students in the program are taught by professors and instructors, not military professionals, to build a well-rounded understanding of the drivers of military security and strategic decision-making. So what should this story teach us here in Canada? The fact is he was caught in Norway. He made his, he did his entire education here and went off to Norway with his credentials to get an even more prestigious gig. Joining me now with more is Christian Luprecht. He's a professor at the Royal Military College and Queen's University, a senior fellow at the Macdonald Laurier Institute and author of Intelligence as Democratic Statecraft, published by Oxford University Press and certainly a suitable title for this one. He speaks to us tonight from Quebec City. Thanks so much for your time. Good evening, Ben. Now, this is quite the, quite the story, I found, especially when they started to sort of peel away at the, the layers of the onion. Uh, what did you make of it when you saw this all unravel in the last week or so? I wasn't surprised. I mean, the Australian Strategic Policy Institute in 2017 put an extensive report about 
collaborations between Canadian researchers, Canadian universities, and for instance, uh, individuals and entities that have links to Chinese military and intelligence agencies and three Canadian universities ranked in the top 10. And I think on the one hand, it speaks to the uh, ongoing naivety of our universities that still pretend that they can be open institutions that can host anyone from anywhere around the world and that this is all about uh, benign collaboration. And it also speaks to the extent to which Canadian institutions are a target, precisely because on the one hand, they're naive and because on the other hand, uh, because Canada is a diverse country. And so it's relatively easy for anyone around the world, on the one hand, to make a home here, and on the other hand, uh, not to attract too much attention. Uh, and if uh, individuals with um, clearly forged Brazilian entities can not only enter the country, but obtain a student visa, reside here for years, uh, build a credibility for themselves, build networks with uh, political parties. Um, you know, I think this should be deeply concerning for Canadians because it lays bare uh, that our national security intelligence system is simply not fit for purpose and that our universities uh, remain uh, extremely vulnerable. And that's, I think, tragic given uh, how much money the Canadian taxpayer invests in Canadian universities and that we're effectively funding uh, the education uh, and the knowledge base of our adversaries. Yeah, I, I'm sure he had to pay foreign student rates. But but I mean, his, it's interesting with his story because we were talking to Christo Groza of Bellingcat earlier who did a lot of work on just who Mikhail Mikushin was. Uh, and that as soon as he got his Brazilian passport, he went to Malaysia first. So he even covered his backstory. Um, but when, you know, when when the intelligence community saw this story, you think, I mean, and there have been other similar ones of late. But when, um, I mean, you've written about the five eyes. When they see a story like this, do they all just, I mean, what's the what would the reaction be like, do you think, inside the intelligence community when this kind of uh, long-term um, operation is uncovered? Well, it reminds us that uh, sleepers remain an important instrument for our adversaries and they can continue to be embedded. I mean, those people who have seen the Americans, uh, have streamed the Americans, right. will be familiar with some of the way these tactics work. Um, we continue to have, um, and, and Russia has long uh, had this very long range view, but uh, I think most people think that it's been limited to the United States. That's where from time to time, uh, Russian sleepers end up getting picked up. Uh, and so we're somewhat ignorant to the fact that all allied countries are ultimately uh, vulnerable to um, sleepers. And that in this particular case, Canada lent itself very well to building a legend, to building a backstory that this individual was subsequently looking to exploit uh, in order to um, make one of our key partners on Arctic security, that is to say Norway, uh, vulnerable in terms of uh, their particular uh, their particular knowledge base. And you know, you think that um, adversarial countries would particularly target sort of the top tier universities in the country, Toronto, McGill, University of British Columbia. Um, but it turns out that, you know, in Calgary, in some ways, uh, is probably a, a much safer place to 
hideout if you're trying to build that sort of backstory uh, because who's really going to suspect you of being a Russian sleeper when you're at the University of Calgary and yet at the same time of course the University of Calgary has precisely the sort of um, expertise in security and especially Arctic security uh, that uh, the alleged uh, GRU uh, spy here was looking to build and so I think we need to be much more circumspect about um, which particular knowledge bases in this country uh, might be subject to particular uh, exploitation. Uh, the Alberta government has uh, initiated uh, considerable restrictions on Alberta universities to collaborate with China. Um, uh, the Ontario government has now put in place um, probably the most rigorous security screening in the country when it comes to uh, research funding for Ontario universities. Uh, there's now uh, a federal review of federally tr submitted tri-council research grants in terms of vulnerabilities, but I think it shows that we're really just at the beginning of trying to get a handle uh, what is a uh, pervasive challenge. His field of study would have come as no surprise to you then? Um, in particular, um, at... Um, the Center of Military and Strategic Studies uh, in Calgary. I think this was, it, he didn't just randomly pick any one university. Uh, Carleton University has um, a, a very good reputation in their uh, particular defense security studies and, uh, and uh, uh, as well as relations sort of understanding the federal government studying public policy, public management, public administration, uh, and then subsequently going on to the University of Calgary, uh, which is well regarded in particular for its capacity on um, strategic studies uh, and in particular for its capacity on Arctic security. Uh, yeah. So uh, this was quite deliberate. This was not an accidental sort of journey uh, across Canadian universities to see where he could find a home. Uh, Christian, when you look at, should we have caught him? I guess it's sort of, because I asked the, the same question of the Bellingcat research and he thought, well, you know, he did have a pretty good backstory. If he didn't call attention to himself, he was going back to Russia, we found out. Uh, but if he didn't call attention to himself, how, how easily would it have been? And you know, you, you know, you're in a university setting. How easily would it have been to figure this out, do you think? So it's tragic that uh, the Norwegians, after a relatively brief stay in Norway, picked up on him, and that Norwegian intelligence in particular picked up on him. But it appears that that, at least in part, was due to a tip by a colleague who figured out that this individual wasn't like any other graduate student and was behaving in a curious way and, and asking curious questions. And so it suggests that, on the one hand, our security intelligence service uh, continues uh, to be uh, blind or simply doesn't have the resources and the capacities uh, to be able to track individuals like this, detect them and track them, uh, identify them effectively. But it also suggests that at both Carleton and uh, at the University of Calgary, uh, people were not up to um, realizing that perhaps sometimes uh, you need to pick up on odd behavioral patterns. Uh, so you need to be able to rely as much on your security intelligence uh, system to be able to identify individuals such as you do on just uh, 
simply smarts and awareness um, about possible vulnerabilities and possible um, 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 exploitation by adversaries here. And I think this yeah. is, if we have a vulnerable system, it means that, and people aren't asking the right questions, all the more reason why both security intelligence and universities need to be much more rigorous in identifying and vetting people. Yeah, it's certainly um, a wake-up call. I mean, it, it's quite possible that through his time, through his undergrad and his and his graduate studies, that he did keep a pretty low profile, or at least tried to be, you know, blend in as much as humanly possible. And then when he landed the job in Norway, this became, um, you know, this is sort of, this was the target. This is, I'm speculating here, needless to say. Um, when you look at how the reaction would have been to this story amongst our five eyes partners, for instance, what do you think, what do you think has been going on the last week or so since, I mean, the story is now about 10 days old. How, how, what do you think has been going on behind the scenes since uh, this was uncovered? Well, it's certainly not making Canada look good. And Canada is looking increasingly weak uh, within uh, the arrangement. Uh, It's looking weak in terms of the resources that it allocates. It's looking weak in terms of the uh, legislative capacity it has uh, in place. Of course, it is the um, the one G7 country that does not invest in a foreign intelligence service and that believes we can continue to do it on the cheap, even though the courts continue to curtail the ability of CSIS in particular to operate outside of the country. Um, and overall, um, I would say the last 10 years or so have not been great to Canada's reputation within the intelligence community. And what that means is that uh, the uh, more vulnerable you appear and the less you can bring to the table, uh, the less significant also you are as a player and the less intelligence uh, is likely going to be shared with you. And, um, you know, the fact that uh, many of our recent significant national security cases have effectively been tip-offs uh, by the United States suggests that essentially um, our system appears not to be capable to take proactive measures. It is tra- tragic that uh, it takes uh, an opinion piece by Charles Burton and uh, a major story in the Globe and Mail for the RCMP to launch investigations into Chinese police stations in this country right. uh, that have been uh, known to exist for at least the better part of five years. And so it seems the only time we aggressively act on these cases is when somebody tips us off uh, or we have an embarrassing story in the, the national media that you and your co- colleagues uh, draw attention to. And I would say at a time when we're having uh, hearings into uh, the Ottawa convoy and the emergency measures right. and the emergency act that is revealing all sorts of vulnerabilities, it suggests that we really need to revisit the system that we have in place because it is simply not fit for purpose. Yeah, I, I guess as a very last question, quickly, would uh, would he have learnt anything of great value, uh, or or was I mean the education of it in of itself would be of great value? But do you think this is really about about building up his credentials for something bigger than what he was learning here? I think there's three revelations here. The first is that, of course, we talked lots about cybersecurity and the vulnerability of data and of networks in Australia. The Australian National University had mm-hmm. its entire data essentially extracted by Chinese exfiltrated by Chinese intelligence. And so human intelligence remains uh, an important component of adversarial activity. I think we're also learning here that 
uh, there's a lot you can learn without necessarily getting engaged in classified material that here you're just trying to build up your knowledge and your knowledge base and credentials on um, Arctic security, understanding what allies and partners are doing, um, what their plans are, what their strategies are, what their legislations and their resources are, and how they collaborate. Um, and the third is that Canada um, clearly was exploited here in order to build um, a legend, to build a backstory, um, and to be more aware of the vulnerabilities that our system has and what we're going to do to learn from this particular mistake to ensure that uh, we don't have that happen again and we don't look weak to our allies and partners uh, like a weak link yet again. Christian Luprecht, again, thank you so much for your time tonight. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Ben.